Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Bedside Matters. This is the podcast that addresses the medical issues that impact every single one of us every single day. We're going to hopefully give you the answers you're looking for so you can be more informed and healthier. I'm Peter Tilden, and I'm joined by Dr. David Kipper. David, how are you? I'm great, Peter. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm happy to be here also. And Anna Vicino joins us. Anna, are you good? I'm here. I'm here for color commentary. I'm I'm here for a little just breath of fresh air, as it were. You are. I don't know why I'm here. No, I know why I'm here, because today we are going to be discussing a few things. Number one, collagen. Is it good for you? I'm curious to hear about this personally, because I take collagen in my coffee every morning. Dr. Kipper is going to give us the lowdown on that. Do you really? Yeah, I put it in the coffee. Is it tasteless? Yeah, it's hydrolyzed, so it melts. There's different. I, I used to put Knox gelatin in there, but it gets really clumpy. Anyway, we'll find out about collagen. We're also going to be talking about chat GPT has entered the medical conversation. So uh, Dr. Google versus Dr. Chat GPT. That'll be interesting. Fascinating. I read mm-hmm. an article that said in the future, will you trust your doctor or will you trust AI more? Hmm. Pretty interesting. Uh, scientists are looking at using the kidneys of pigs because there's such a, I guess there's still a waiting list for organ transplants. And I always want to know how that's going. If that's changing, do you go to different states? What do you do with people that are desperate? So that may be something that's helpful. And also, we have a question from a listener that has to do with aging. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. So first, we're going to be discussing collagen. I know I hear it all the time. Get the collagen. It'll make your nails grow and your skin and your hair wonderfully lustrous. And at my age, I need all the help I can get. There are different types of collagen. What's the deal with collagen? How is it different than protein? Lay it on us, Doc. Collagen is a protein, and it's actually the most common protein in the body. About a third of the protein in our body is collagen. The skin is three-quarters protein, collagen. So collagen's everywhere. It's in blood vessels. It's everywhere. And you're absolutely right. It it helps with elasticity uh, for the skin and the joints. And collagen, we make naturally. We make collagen naturally by the foods we eat. And those foods break down to amino acids, and those amino acids come together and form collagen. The problem is, as we get older, it doesn't work so well. We don't make as much, and it does, they don't come together as well. So we start losing collagen. And you can see this in an older person's face or their skin as it droops a little bit. So there's a big push now to replace your collagen. And one of the ways to do this is powder in your coffee in the morning. That's oh, oh and does that work? Is that good? So is that a plus? It actually works? It absorbs? Well, it's a, that, that's a great question, Peter. The problem is you put the powder in the coffee, you, you drink it. They also have capsules and gummies and gelatins, but the stomach absorbs it, breaks it down, and the amino acids that come out of that are not necessarily the same amino acids that make normal collagen. So there's a problem as it goes through the stomach. Mm. Again, if you're making it naturally, it's there. It's natural. So there are some problems with that. Wait, so if the collagen she's getting in her coffee is doing no benefit? So if it's I'm just metabolizing going like right it in, in, yeah. in the tummy, it's not working? You're getting those amino acids, but they may not be uh, you know, put putting into the same formula mm-hmm. to come into what is really collagen. Also, the the collagen that is advertised in these products, because it's not naturally made, it's it's made from the skin of chickens, 
It's made from other animal uh, tissues. Problem with that is that this collagen is because they are animal products. They might have other things in them, like they may have pesticides, they may have right. heavy metals, they may it's have not bacteria. Clean. They're so, not using grass-fed, yes. clean sources necessarily. So there's a problem there. They're not regulated because they are supplements. Right. And supplements, the FDA can't regulate. So you don't really know exactly what you're getting. And if you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding, they're dangerous. So it all has to do with the breakdown of these amino acids and how they factor into what's going on in your pregnancy in that particular case. But there are ways to get natural collagen. I mean, it's through your diet. If you increase your diet with egg whites and dairy and mushrooms, and if you eat pork and chicken skin uh, and gelatin, as you were doing, that works. You need vitamin C to make collagen. So think of all the things that make vitamin C, you know, citrus, fruits, bell peppers. You need zinc. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I eat a ton of bell peppers. That's great. Good to know. You just enabled him. Good for you, Peter. Well, I don't. I, I gave up on the chicken and pork skin. <laughs> well, I used so, to just chow down on that like Elvis, but I gave that all up. <laughs> Let's see what else you're eating that's good for you. Are you eating beef, lamb, pork? Because that's no. got zinc, which is what collagen needs. But they tell you to cut back on your meat. Well, we're not cutting back on our meat. We're increasing our collagen. Yeah, so I understand. It's confusing. It's confusing. I'm not cutting back on the meat. Yay, meat. You all are meat eaters? I don't eat meat. David, do you eat a lot of meat? I eat you a know? little meat, not much. Yeah. I like meat, but... Well, I like meat too, but it doesn't, as my mother would say, this was her phrase, I like meat, but it doesn't like me. Mm. Well, so there's... <laughs> there's no answer to on that. that it's, it's, no. Yeah, I don't know if no. my mother had an incident like, with a cow. Because everyone's no saying they're going, what would the meat do to her? Is she okay? <laughs> well, she always had gas. Yeah, she had problems. So oh, she said, yeah. I like it. If she ate a food sure. that would, did not sit well with her, right. it didn't she like would her. say, I, got it. I like it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't like me. And she she would unsolicited tell every waiter that. And she they'd have to hear her story. <laughs> and you'd be like, yes, ma'am. And I wanted I'll to I'll listen as long as I table. can get a good tip. Right, right. <laughs> um, so what are the different types of collagen? And do we have to like look for different types? Or can we just... What a great question. Thank you. There are five different kinds of collagen. It's very confusing as to what's what and what goes where. But the different collagen goes to different tissues. So there's collagen in, in blood vessels, in blood cells. Collagen, obviously, in meat, tendon. By meat, I mean muscle and tendons and ligaments. We need collagen pretty much anywhere that you need to hold your tissues together. So there, there are the different types. But in what we're getting as supplements, including the powders, uh, they incorporate as much of that as they can. All right, moving on. Thank you so much for that, Doc. What's going on with Chat GPT and Dr. Google? And like, how are these two, how are we going to be using Chat GPT moving forward? The internet, we all know, is an important part of our um, healthcare systems conversation. Everybody goes to the internet when they have a problem. It's convenient. And so Chat GPT got into this conversation. And actually, there was a study at Emory University by these ophthalmologists. And they My wanted... alma mater. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. We finally did something. Not me. <laughs> I didn't do it. They wanted to compare the accuracy of Chat GPT with how the doctors 
diagnose things. So th these were eye doctors. So they had a number of symptoms for eye disease. And it turns out that chat GPT did a little bit better than the doctors at coming up with Isn't the that, that star diagnosis. It startled me and it depressed me. And it you start thinking about the ramifications of that. But then again, the eye doctor has seen that illness maybe 30 times in his practice. The the AI can source every every right. every piece of information it has every about that. Every scanned in so, medical document slash whatever Yeah, but studies still, it's just, it's like I said before, how do you trust it? How do you trust it? That's what I was going to say. Isn't it frightening when you like, but you, you're like, no, 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 but my, it's different for me. Like, are you still going to be heard as an individual? I guess is what. But that's favorite. exactly its value, Anna. Is that they can take this kind of computer system uses an AI database, so they can take every single piece of data, reference it to you. What other illnesses do you have? How old are you? Uh, and they can tailor this directly to a more personalized answer, which is what they do. They also compared this to the symptom checker at WebMD. I don't know if you've ever gone into that, but... Uh, Who hasn't? Please. You mean this afternoon? Yeah, exactly. This afternoon. <laughs> the winner by a landslide was Chat GPT. Yeah, which is amazing. What does WebMD then use for their diagnostic? Like, if you've been going to WebMD for the last three years, and this thing blows it away... Mayo Clinic. Then you have to go to Mayo Clinic... And then you have to go to Cleveland Clinic. <laughs> it's it's an endless loop. Endless loop of checking. So what was WebMD? So is WebMD embarrassed by this? That the, I mean, that's pretty big, big difference. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> and the new AI is better. No, but AI has a much bigger database. And AI has the ability to draw in much more information. Uh, speaking of Mayo, by the way, Anna, Mayo is now incorporating chat GPT into their algorithms. Uh, but I think the, the most interesting thing about this story to me was that they wanted to see if the bedside manner issue was better with human doctors or chat GPT. Oh, and guess who won? The doctors. No, the, the, not only did the doctors- Even know, the matter, oh really? Oh yeah. no. You forget that Dr. Kipper is the, the best doctor and like we want to clone his bedside manner to all the other doctors, but we can't do that yet. But you know, it's amazing. Like David, we always talk, we, we always come around to the emotional side of being a doctor and how do you present bad news to people and how do you tell them and do reveal. And you really have to know that person and you have to temper how you present it. How does a chat GPT AI know how to present information to somebody so that they don't go on to hang themselves? That's really the mystery here, because one of the things that, I thought was missing in this technology was the emotional component. Right. And, and what they found was that their answers were more empathic than <laughs> the doctor's answers. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, there's also a company called Replica. Replica is using AI for mental health care. And <laughs> their slogan, their ad campaign is, the AI companion who cares. So there's some non sequiturs in there, but think about it. Well, this brings up an important point that, you know, if WebMD is not up on their symptoms anymore, I'm sure they're, they have a whole team of people using AI to figure out how to update their systems because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. 
No, I think they're going to cross-pollinate. I think all right. these other internet systems are going to be using chat GPT. How do you feel about it, David? How do you as a doctor? I, I like it. I like the idea that medicine is just going this way. Medicine is, is being taught in medical schools by algorithms. It's different than um, in the Stone Age when I started. We didn't have these diagnostics. We didn't have CAT scans. We didn't have MRI machines. And so you had to think things through on a different level. You you had to your algorithms came from interviews, physical exams, and experience. Now someone comes in and they have abdominal pain. There's an algorithm. They have abdominal pain, and they're this old, and they're this sex, and they're this uh, history of other things, and that's how that works. And here's where I like it. I like it for the diagnostic issues. We talked about this, I think, weeks ago, about how CT scans for lung cancer are now being converted to AI interpretation. And so you can pick up things uh, that you wouldn't normally pick up that the radiologist might miss because you can put in all these other variables. And so we're using, we're using it not only with radiology, we're using it with medical records. So I think there's going to be a, a tremendous advantage with this. The concern that I have, which we just maybe debunked, was that the interpersonal doctor-patient relationship, bedside manners, issues, I think those are going to suffer, but they've already been suffering. I mean, you don't right. get a lot of personal attention when you go to the doctor at this point. But this will make it a more efficient system in many ways. And for diagnostics, I think it's going to be great. David, before we bail on this, I'm just curious. In today's world, are doctors who are maybe more hesitant to use it because it's kind of new, are they going to back themselves up by ordering more tests just to make sure? And is that going to affect us? Because right away, if I'm a doctor who's old school and gets and knows the chat and it and it gives me something i go just to back myself up though i think it should do this test and this that that test could it yield that until this is a comfort level i think that's such a smart question peter i think it's going to do the opposite i think that somebody comes in with a set of symptoms and i think if you go into these um ai algorithms you're going to fine-tune the diagnostic testing that you need. So you might What's not the need... liability? I'm thinking of liability, though. All of a sudden, who do you sue if the, if the diagnosis is wrong and the doctor went with the AI? <laughs> you, well, the doctor's still there. You sue the doctor. Well, okay, good. But well, I thank think, God. But to your point, Peter, I think doctors are going to rely on this for that reason. If you have a better algorithm and your liability issues go down because of that, if that becomes state-of-the-art, you're going to be using that. Here's another way to look at this, which I think is also interesting, and to my point that I think this will be an advantage. Uh, primary care doctors going away, not, not going to have them after a while. So we have nurse practitioners, we have physician assistants, we have urgent care um, centers where these are primarily emergency room doctors. So if you have these algorithms and you have people that can use and access these algorithms, these diagnoses are going to be made much better and much easier using this technology. In this week's This Just Happened, 
we talk about transplants and waiting lists, and I don't know, nobody in my family, thank goodness, at this point, needs an organ. Um, but it looks like they're trying to use uh, growing human kidneys in pigs, which is a really strange, <laughs> strange thing to do. So if you can explain that as this week's, this just happened. This is really interesting, and it's a little complicated, but to the point you just made, there waiting list is probably over 100,000 people that are waiting for organs, and it's estimated that 17 people a day die waiting for an organ. So this is a real issue, and we've been looking at alternatives. <laughs> we seem to keep going back to the pigs. The Chinese did the first ever um, experiment, and with some success, of putting a human organ inside of an animal, which was the pig. And the process involves something called chimera. What chimera is, uh, I'm going to define this, but chimera is a, is a concept where you combine tissue from two or more genetically distinct populations of cells, pigs and humans. What, what is chimera? Let me explain this. Think back to what happens when you get a zygote. The sperm and the egg come together, they make a zygote. The zygote grows, it turns into an embryo. The embryo grows, turns into a fetus. Nine months later, that fetus is a baby. So this is how that goes. Now go all the way back to phase one to the zygote. A zygote, because a sperm and an egg are coming together, you can have a sperm and an egg coming together from two different sets of gene pools, meaning the mother has a gene pool, the father has a gene pool, we're all here because that came together. Now, if it turns out that in that fertilization process, two zygotes are created, and those two zygotes combine to become the embryo, now you have two different genetic combinations, and that embryo grows, and as the embryo grows and the fetus develop, you have these different genetics that are coming from two, not just one combination, but two combinations. And what that means is that you can have you can have blood cells of different types in the same person. You can have phenotypes, what? which is yeah. Um, actually, the most interesting part of this is if the zygotes were of differing sexes, not a not a male, you have a male zygote and a female zygote, and they combine uh, to form the embryo, you end up with a baby that has female and male sex organs. So that's chimera. That's putting these things together. So now move over. I know, right? That's pretty nuts. But we know that there are hermaphrodites. There right. are people mm -hmm. that have both, both sure. things. So what happened here was they genetically, the Chinese genetically engineered these zygotes, and they genetically engineered them to produce kidney, kidney cells. Mm. And they put those kidney cells, and they combined a zygote from a human with a zygote of a pig, and that embryo was now mushed together and was able to form a kidney inside the a human kidney unbelievable inside the pig and the when when they looked at the kidneys that these pigs were creating they were mostly human cells uh, the pigs contributed some nerves and blood vessels but the the kidney itself was was mostly human 
Yikes. And some of these human cells ended up in the central nervous system of the of the pig. So they combined these zygotes and they made these embryos that could now develop kidneys. So it's it's a complicated story, but they they Yo. figured it out. How far away are we from being able to use these kidneys and transplants? Well, I think we're several years away for the following mm. reasons. So now you have you're making a human kidney inside the surrogate pig mom, right? But there's an environment uh, that is in the pig that isn't in our environment as as the embryo and then fetus is growing. So now we have to manipulate that environment to make sure that it's a slam dunk that these kidneys grow to a healthy place. Then you have ethical concerns. So I think there's a lot more to work out, but the science has, has now done it. And David, why why is it kidneys? I mean, um, when they replace valves and stuff, it was kidney, pig, pig valves. It, why is it why is it pigs? Are they closest to us in a certain? Yes. That's a good question. Yes, that that's a great question, Peter, and and that is, that is the answer that they're closest to us uh, with all these genetic issues. Well, isn't that it's a good? good to know? It's a good question. I mean, so he, next time <laughs> he said it's a great question, but I think no. it's a good question. Okay, and no. I was going to say you were lustrous before, but I didn't. All right. So by the way, so I like that they call it chimera because I'm remembering my classical studies at Emory University. The one thing I took away was the chimera was we like if you ever saw a picture of it, it's basically like a a spliced of a like a serpent and a goat and a something else like <laughs> Jeez. it's but that's what it is so it's right right that's why they use the name chimera but if you see those like old pots you're like what what's that only the ancient Greeks would invent something so weird okay by the way the other thing I think about is the pigs there saying Louis I'm I'm feeling bloated today I think I got an extra <laughs> I think I got a human kidney inside me what the, I mean holy I just man. feel like there's all these voices in my head I think we got the plot for the new Babe movie. Oh, Dude. yes. Yeah. Hello, come over here. I think <laughs> gotta... All right, let's move on. That's James Cromwell will do it. I know he will. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Today's Hey, What About Me question is this one. Dr. Kipper, this is Carson from uh, Colorado. I'm, I'm calling in today. I'm a big fan of Bedside Matters, but I wanted to know... I, I've noticed as I get older that I'm becoming more stiff when I'm getting up out of bed, getting out of the chair. Is this something that happens with age? Is this a byproduct of aging? And if so, I, does everybody get the stiffness? Thank you if you're able to answer the question. As we age, we lose mobility and we lose balance. And these are the two things that push us into assisted living and nursing homes, frankly. And the more sedentary we get, the more likely we are to get demented and have inflammation. And here's why this happens, and it makes perfect sense. So the ligaments and the tendons in our body, they start losing elasticity, and they start losing collagen. The cartilage in the joints starts losing fluid as we age. We also decrease uh, our muscle mass, which is why we get a little weaker. And our bones become less dense, uh, which is why we have fractures. So all these things sort of come together as we get older. And there are other things, obviously, that happen, that there are sensory issues. So our vision changes, our hearing changes. Um, we get neurologic diseases like Parkinson's and strokes. All of these things can lead to being stiff, to being immobile, and to being off balance. 
And what do you do? Exercise? Cool. Uh, getting getting up. <laughs> yeah, Good night, everybody. <laughs> I knew we safely. couldn't get through one episode without something that makes me super depressed. So thank you. Peter, you're once again exactly right. I mean, the, the best thing you can do is you move. You 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 start walking. You really? Start I got to move? Oh, God. Walk. Exercise. Eat healthy. <laughs> well, all those things, you know, the, the water aerobics, the yoga, the tai chi. Go to the eye doctor. Make sure your vision's right. Get your hearing checked. Oh, I thought you were going to say go to the eye doctor and exercise. Like, what am I doing at the eye doctor? Walk to the eye doctor. Go, go to the eye doctor and wrestle them. Get some physical activity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely wrestle your eye doctor. You know Everybody who's really... listening, if you haven't wrestled your eye doctor, you're missing you know, out on up, a treat. It's funny. When I came out to L.A., I started going to Gold's Gym, and at first I was intimidated. But then I, start, I loved going there because they have 8 million pieces of equipment. And I mean, they have like for crunches, they have, if you can get over the fact that the guy exercising next to you is Lou Ferrigno and the woman who's, uh, who's, who's on the other machine is bigger than you and has more muscle. But I had a guy who used to be the, the strongest man in the world. He did WWF and all that. And then he slimmed down. He was all about stretching. And I thought, what a waste of time. And we did it most, half of the workout was stretching. And to this day, I thank him because I'm still more flexible rather than having tried to build that, you know, the thing. And he did say with shoulders and stuff, you use light weights because these guys are doing heavy weights and they're going to ruin their their shoulders. So there you go. And go slowly. The stretching is really important. But the other thing that people do, especially if they haven't exercised in a long time, is they, they go, you know, up to 10 as opposed to go to a three and, you know, work yourself up. Yeah, that's what I say. Today oh, I like I'm to starting... exercise once and then injure myself, and then I can't do it for a while. <laughs> and then you talk about the injury. How do you hurt yourself working out? How long Work, have you been working yeah, out? Yeah, working out. Starting a day. tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. <laughs> One time I did it. <laughs> All right, let's do a recap. <laughs> In today's episode, we covered a lot. We talked about collagen, this magical elixir of collagen. So the powders and the supplements, it's a great idea. It may not be a perfect solution. It probably won't hurt, but don't expect miracles. I'm going to have powdered chicken skin. I was just going to say, you might be drinking <laughs> chicken skin. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and then we covered chat GPT in the doctor's office and how we're using that now. And I think it's a good thing. There's one more player in the conversation in the internet for medical advice and medical technology for the doctors. And this just happened. They're growing human kidneys and pigs and the pigs are going, what's going on here? The kidneys are coming. The kidneys are coming. So yes, this is a, a major advance. It's going to be years before this turns into something, but it's, it's another alternative. And why do we get stiffer with age? Because why not? Because everything's drying up and shortening. And, you know, the answer is to exercise, stretch. If you have a question for Dr. Kipper, why don't you head on over to bedsidematters.org, type it in, leave us a message, send us a card or letter, and Dr. Kipper just might answer your question on the air. I'd like to thank Dr. Kipper. Uh, his book, make sure to check out Override. It's all about how we are biologically and psychologically predisposed to perform a certain way, whether it's overeating or procrastinating and overdrive really clearly explains why. And Anna Vecino, of course, all of her recipes, her sauces, her rubs, her cookbooks, it's annavecino.com is the website. And thank you for listening to Bedside Matters. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we of course are here to help. We offer new episodes every Monday, so follow us, like us, and have a great week. 
The information on bedside matters should not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information on bedside matters is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. We'll see you next time.